Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by my college basketball partner in crime, Bill Christie. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry, at Larry's Locks 2, for all of his picks. We record on a Monday night into what should be a pretty fun Tuesday of college basketball. February the 2nd, you listen to this. It's Groundhog Day, Bill, and I'm looking, oh, boy. I'm looking for a repeat of Saturday. I went 6-for-6. Six six. I had to pat myself on the back there. Yeah, yeah, very, very impressive. Uh, you know, put me to shame a little bit <laughs> with, with that with that nice sweep of yours. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, t- tomorrow we got, or I guess today really, East time, uh, we got a great slate lined up here for Tuesday night. Uh, some good games in the Big 12 we'll get to. Um, you know, tonight wasn't too, too bad. It was a good game with Texas Tech and Oklahoma. I unfortunately was on the wrong side of it. I had Tech given the points. They got it up to 10. And I thought we looked good there, and uh, that quick it was a 5-0 or 7-0 run, I think it was, by Oklahoma. Got it back within three, and that pretty much cemented it when you were given that many points. So right. it was a good game, but, you know, hey, and, and you know what? I was so ready to come on this podcast and just say how wrong I have been about Mac McClung. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes out and has the performance he had tonight. I'm like, God damn it. Of course, the one time that I'm riding him, he's gonna let us down. Right. But, uh, no, I will give him. I'll that. give him respect. He has. He has really, you know, made me put my foot in my mouth um, from what I said about him preseason and how I thought he was going to be a detriment to this team. And he's been nothing but the obvious opposite. They've been talking about him as being a potential American candidate. So kudos to him. I was wrong, and you know, hopefully we get to see him play in March and do some special things like he's been doing all season. You know, I haven't really, like, and I, you know, I, I don't really pay super close attention to conference player of the year races. I mean, I'll probably start following the Naismith, Naismith race a little closer as we get into February. But, like, is McClung, like, do you know, Bill, is he in that running as the Big 12 player of the year? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about the ball, I mean, the, the Baylor guards. Yeah, yeah, I would say both Baylor guards are up there. I, I mean, he's only a freshman, but, um, you know, the kid in Oklahoma State who's been, 
Cade Cunningham, yeah. Yeah, Cade Cunningham. Like, he, he's probably in talks, but I, I guess he's up there. I, yeah, I would guess he's going to be in the conversation. Um, he's putting up some solid numbers. He's, like, over 20, he's averaging, and he's, like, got a ton of, like, I guess you'd, you know, you can't call them Heisman moments, obviously. That's not what this is, but he's got a couple of those moments this year where he's hit some big shots and, and it's been all over, you know, all the highlights and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess I'll be in the conversation. I don't I don't think you can go against uh, Jared Butler, though. But, hey, he'll be in the conversation. So let's go to the Big Ten uh, for our first pick uh, as Bill is going to get us started uh, with the Iowa Hawkeyes laying 10 at home against the Michigan State Spartans, a total of this game of 156. And gosh, Bill, it sure feels weird to see Michigan State getting this many points in any Big Ten, Big Ten game. I don't care where, I don't care who it's against. It still just doesn't look right, but it's hard to argue with it. We talked about it on previous podcasts. Certain blue blood programs, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State included amongst them, that just aren't themselves this year. And we're really kind of seeing a changing of the guard, not just in the ACC, as we've discussed on the pod, but really in college basketball at large with the way some of these teams, Kansas, you know, in the Big 12, some of these teams just kind of floundering along through their seasons, heading towards the NCAA bubble, you know, and maybe not making it. Michigan State seems like one of those. You're laying the big number with the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I I debated myself on this uh, for quite a while uh, when I was going into the handicap process. And, you know, like, I've said this so many times. I know we talked about it last year where Michigan State's that program that they'll tend to take some really bad losses early on in the season. And just when you're ready to write them off completely, right. like, they turn they turn around. And, like, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly nervous that's this game. Like, this is the one game where I'm like, there's no way. Like, Iowa should wipe the floor with these guys, smelling blood in the water, they have two wins in their last, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, two wins in their last eight, and that game, one came at Nebraska by seven, and then the one game where I did think they were turning around back on January 5th against Rutgers, you know, they they smacked them by 23, and <laughs> then you right. turn around and you see Rutgers returns the favor and, and pounds them by 30 a couple days ago, so I just don't think Michigan State is going to be that team this year unfortunately, that, that's going to be able to turn around. And when I'm looking at this game, Iowa being 2-0 and against the spread after a loss. Though They just took that loss to Illinois. Michigan State on the other side, they're 0-4 after a loss against the spread. And they're just 1-5 against the spread on the, on the road. 1-2 uh, is road dogs, and Iowa being home favorites are 8-2. And, and then, you know, there's the slight look-ahead factor for Iowa. They have Ohio State up next. But yeah, I think they learned their lesson. Buckeyes all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think they learned their lesson from you know losing to Indiana, uh, previous to Illinois, and again it, we talked about blue blood programs, Michigan State being one of them, Iowa with an opportunity to really, really put it on them here, and again another program in Iowa that being you know I don't expect them to have back to back bad games. However, they did. They had a bad one against Indiana. They should not have lost that game. Uh, against Illinois, you know, they they should they can win that game, but it's Illinois. It's a very strong program that they're going up against in that one. So it didn't shock me to see them lose that game. I do believe I was on Illinois in that one. But either way, I, I like Iowa in this. It is a big spread, um, which kind of makes me like Iowa a little bit more. I think I'd be a little weary if I would have seen the line come out at like six or seven. Um, right. With the fear right. of Michigan State really being competitive. But I just – I just don't see it in this one. I'm going to be taking Iowa and laying the points. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on this. Granted, I probably won't be playing Iowa, but uh, I think you're right about the market adjusting properly, and therefore, um, you know, when you see it grow to this kind of line, uh, it does make you think that the market has crashed on Michigan State and they're just dying for Michigan State money. I fell for it a little bit. I took Michigan State yesterday against as well. Yesterday uh, being Sunday now as we record mm-hmm. on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. But bottom line, I took a chance with the Spartans. I got six and a half against Ohio State. Yeah. You get the best of the number. I see this line close, five and a half. And, you know, they got outplayed in the first half, and they were trying to 
scrap and claw and fight their way back at various points in the second half, but ultimately never never really got there. Uh, it was about an evenly matched second half, but they were just too far behind uh, to really make any significant inroads. Uh, so it just feels like, as you said, like it, it just doesn't it's not meant to be for whatever reason again for Michigan State. Go back to January the eighth, they had a, a COVID layoff before these two at road games at Rutgers at Ohio State. Uh, they lost the game by one point as a six-point home favorite against Purdue, uh, you know, and I, I and that was kind of the first instinct that I had that yeah, you know, I, I don't know, like listen, Purdue's not bad, but you know, you're you're kind of in the early parts of conference play and you keep losing these conference games because remember they didn't start the Big Ten play well. They lost at Northwestern by double digits. Mm-hmm. Got clobbered at Minnesota just after Christmas on Christmas Day. Lost against Wisconsin as actually it's crazy to look at that line now and think they were a short home favorite against Wisconsin in that game. So it just feels like it's one of those years where it's just not meant to be for Izzo and company. And and hey, as we mentioned it at Rutgers, at Ohio State, now the third straight road game. I don't doubt that there might be a spot where Michigan State kind of gets back up and, as I like to say, circles the wagons. But this doesn't feel like that spot for them. I'd lean Iowa. It is a lot of points. Um, And I guess, I mean, I mean, I guess like Michigan State, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, like they are are mostly healthy. So like maybe what's backing me away from laying it is like maybe the bear does wake up here for Michigan State at a certain point. But if I had to guess, I don't think it's this game. Yeah, and look, the biggest disappointment to me <clears throat> in regards to this Michigan State team has been, you know, the transfer of Joey Hauser. He's just not lived up to what you expected out of him. You saw him on Christmas Day. He dropped 27 against uh, Wisconsin when, you know, they took the loss, but he was 7 of 9, 3 for 3 from deep, 10 for 11 from three or from the foul line. He had seven boards. Like, that was where I thought they were going to turn it around and be like, all right, here we go. We got – you know, he's really coming into his own here. And then since then, he's had six, five, nine, nine, six. And then against Ohio State, he finally got back into double digits with 11. He just hasn't produced what I think most people expected out of him when he came over to this program. So, you know, maybe he turns around in this one and he, and he puts up a monster game. But, hey, you got you got the uh, Naismith Player of the Year on the other side of him. And uh, I see Garza having a monster game against this team. Plenty of Big Ten to get to on today's pod. We start with a Big Ten game there as Bill's taking the big home favorite in the Iowa Hawkeyes. We're going to end with a Big Ten game as well, but a few more Big Ten games early on on this episode of Full Slate that we want to handicap. And I am going to take us to College Park where there's one of those rat lines that I think is pretty trappy. And I'm going to be taking the Maryland Terrapins laying the short number of one against the Purdue Boilermakers. Total in this game of 134. Uh, And first off, I mean, you know, I gave out Purdue on this podcast over the weekend. Talked about the home road splits for the Boilermakers being pretty drastic. Uh, You know, and and Purdue obviously being kind of a sneaky-ish home court. uh, And and they obviously got me to the window with a nice blowout win of the Gophers. But, you know, you look at what they've done this season on the road – uh, it's starting to improve for sure. They have three straight road wins at Michigan State, at Indiana, at Ohio State. Um, you know, but before then, they did have some conference road losses at Illinois, at Rutgers, at Iowa. So more than anything, though, the reason I think this is just such a trappy line is because Purdue's really playing well. We talked about Ohio State being a surging team in the Big Ten, and they absolutely are. But don't sleep on Matt Painter's team. I mean, they're starting to make some noise. And, hey, it feels like in with the way the Big Ten is and how deep it is, you run off five straight or six out of seven or something like that, you're going to start opening eyes. And that's kind of what's going on with Purdue. Yet here they are at Maryland, a team that's only won, I think, three league games. And they're, a, they're an underdog. And, by the way, it looked like I saw on covers they opened as a short favorite, the Boilermakers did, and Maryland got bet from plus one through pick and is now a favorite. So I think that that shows you there's some smart money on the Terrapins. As I said, only three and seven straight up in Big Ten play for Maryland. And here they are a favorite against a pretty hot Purdue team. I mentioned the recent wins, five and one straight up and against the spread is Purdue in its last six. Uh, And for what it's worth, 
you know, I always try and get to the bottom of these lines and why they are what they are, in addition to just blindly, I shouldn't say blindly, but it does just tip me off sometimes when you see these lines. It makes you think you got to play the, the, the weird side that doesn't make sense. you got to pass the game because nobody hands out free money. And as well as Purdue's playing, I don't think this is as simple as just getting to the window with them against a sub-500 in-league play team like the Terrapins are. So I tried to get to the bottom of why this line was what it was. And I did look. Maryland was very competitive in its game earlier this season in West Lafayette against Purdue. Maryland only losing by three. Granted, it was back on Christmas Day, so a lot's changed. But Maryland uh, only losing 73-70. to 70. So I'd like to think that if they can play that well again, flip the home courts. Also, by the way, uh, so revenge spot there for Maryland. By the way, also, again, just trying to figure out these lines. Obviously, Maryland not as good of an overall team as Purdue. But the offensive efficiency numbers on Kempom, nearly identical. Purdue 31st and Maryland 32nd. So if the Terps can get this game high scoring, as we saw on Christmas Day, getting it up in the 70s, I'm not saying it necessarily correlates with the over because that total is at 134. But at the same time, because uh, I do think this also has like flat spot potential for Purdue. Like, I think there's a chance that Purdue could just come out and lay an egg here. So I'm not saying that Maryland is absolutely going to win a game in the 70s, you know, and, and to take the over necessarily. I wouldn't fault anyone for doing that because obviously I would lean that way on the total if I'm taking Maryland here and they're better on the offensive end of the floor than they are the defensive end of the floor. I just think the better play is on the side. Maryland minus one for me. Yeah, I'm not going to have a play here, but I definitely would lean Maryland. I had that. Um, initially, just like you did when we saw the line, it didn't, didn't really make much sense to me. Um, I really couldn't talk myself into making a play on it, at least not just yet. Uh, but like you mentioned, that line movement is definitely intriguing, so I'm curious to see where that'll end up uh, when we wake up tomorrow. But I'm going to take us to another Big Ten game here. Um, yeah, and you're going to take us to Wisconsin and Penn State. And I'll, I'll be honest, Bill, I was looking at this game. And I was leaning the side you were leaning. So maybe you can – I know we have sometimes these <laughs> mid-pod consensus plays based on the handicap of the guy that's on the pick. You're on the Wisconsin Badgers. Looks like 7.5, total of 138. You're laying it at home with Wisconsin and taking them in the first half as well. Why don't you fire away? Yeah, so, I mean, look, this is a rarity, right? we got a back-to-back Big Ten game. You've seen a lot of these – in these types of games with the smaller conferences where they're playing back-to-back games. But this is a home and away uh, here with last game being played at Penn State on Saturday. Uh, and Penn State looked strong. They got a 10-point win. Um, and Wisconsin really didn't look like Wisconsin. Uh, so when I'm looking at this game, and I figure we talked about it before, and we, we always mention it at the Gary Podcast now, Wisconsin's definitely a program that is going to be a program that's going to button up and bounce back in a big way. Uh, Wisconsin, they're 3-0-1 against the spread after a loss, so that's indicative of that. Um, But Wisconsin, like, the the thing that stuck out to me in that last game on Saturday was Trice was only 2 of 9, 0 for 5 from 3, and just 6 points. This is a kid that shoots 40% from 3, averages 14-plus a game. It's not going to happen again. All right, so Wisconsin... Honestly, I really think they're going to go from start to finish in this one. Uh, they had their chance, right? They were up by, I think, three at halftime uh, on Saturday in in Penn State. Being at home, I'm looking at the splits. Yeah, Wisconsin is much better first-half differential uh, at home. So I, I expect this to be a larger lead at halftime, maybe even double digits, and I see them just carrying it across the board going into the second half. We've talked about it before with Wisconsin. They're a team where – if the game does somehow get close and it's a five, six-point game, I feel pretty confident laying those points still because we all know when those guys get to the line, they're shooting something like 80-some percent uh, when they get there. So I'm not going to be too worried about the back door with them. Yeah, no, you sold me on it. I'll play the stack as well. The, um, the, the back-to-back really is an interesting angle. Uh, and, and by the way, I think I, – listen, I know that the home courts have flipped – but obviously, you know, fans are not as big of a big of a factor here. But I, I think this line also tells you that you can, oh, yeah. play, you can only play Wisconsin. So, so hear me out. Wisconsin goes to State College over the weekend, and they lose by double digits against Penn State, right? They lose by 10 mm-hmm. as a four-point road favorite. 
Now they're coming back home and they're seven and a half point chalk. You know, like that should tip you off. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that should tip you off the first game, right? Like only laying four and a half. That's one of them. They're like, uh, it doesn't right, make much exactly. sense to me. It's too good to be right? true. It's a trap. Right. right. And then you have your casual betters that are going to look at this and go, wait, they just lost by 10, and now what, are we getting seven and a half points? Like, right. So when you when you think about it that way, yeah. So I, I'm very, very confident. Like I said, this this really has the makings in my mind of Wisconsin jumping out really early and just keeping them at arm's length the entire game and Penn State not being able to – like Penn State, I feel like they're going to be happy with getting that first one at home. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Oh, right. There and, sure, yeah. Yeah, to go out to Wisconsin and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to try and get another win. Yeah, they might be a little bit confident, but I feel like if they get smacked in the mouth early in this one, they're just going to lay down and, and take their beating. Bill, and by the way, like obviously a lot of Big Ten games on this pod, this is the third one that we've discussed, and we got one more we'll get to later. But I think that's a good point that you make, which is something that, and again, just a hunch on my part, haven't done research on it, but I think when it comes to these bottom-tier Big Ten teams, whether it's a Penn State or, or Northwestern or you know whoever else is – closer down to, you know, the bottom than the top, you know, maybe even Maryland, as I just gave them out. But when they have those wins, you know, and so, if, for example, like if I am correct in handicapping Maryland and I cash my ticket tomorrow on the Terps, I might be looking to fade them the very next game on that sole basis because you know every night, pretty much, they're going to be playing, you know, whether it's Maryland or Penn State or whoever, they're going to be stepping up in competition. So if you can do that once and win, well, Think about the mood that, you know, emanates within those kids in the locker room and how they're feeling, right? Like, oh, you know, down year and we just have this big win against Wisconsin or, you know, Michigan State or, well, not necessarily this year, Michigan or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now we got to come back? Like, it just feels like these teams that aren't very good in the Big Ten that do rise to the occasion and play one really nice game, like, those are teams you want to fade the next game. Yeah, and I think, like, a good example, I'm just looking real quick. You mentioned Maryland. They had that big win at Wisconsin. Minnesota. Or Minnesota, okay. Yeah, and, and then they came back and lost. To, and then they came back and lost to Wisconsin right after that. Um, so, yeah, like, that kind of, like, plays into that role. Yeah, like I said, especially with it being back-to-back where there's no other games sure. in between it, 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 it just feels to me, again, that Wisconsin's going to be able to just really dominate from start to finish in this one. I want to go to the SEC real quick uh, for a play in a game that yeah might not interest a ton of people, but the as we always say, all tickets cash the same. Going down to Auburn, where we're seeing the Tigers laying nine and a half against the Georgia Bulldogs, total of one fifty eight and a half here. I hate Auburn. <laughs> right, exactly. Obviously, two teams that play really fast, so that high total not a big surprise, but. You know, listen, we're obviously sounding like a broken record here with the anti-Auburn handicaps. We've been fading, fading, fading pretty much most of the season. And, Bill, I know that's frustrating for you. They almost got there, did Baylor, with the cover. Um, were you, like, tracking that closely, watching the game oh, on Saturday? I watched, yeah, I watched the whole, like, almost the whole game. And they made that run. And literally, I, I don't know if I texted you guys or not, but I was like, here it is. You know, Cooper looks frustrated. They're throwing the ball over. They're turning it over. Baylor's just running up and down the floor, scoring at will. And then freaking Bruce Pearl has to have an aneurysm during the end of the game and, and think that the team's really within four when they're within 24 and makes them fight all the way back and cut into it and get the cover and make me want to throw up. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, that, that is a tough scene there. I, I wasn't watching the game, how it played out. But now that I hear that, I'm glad I wasn't and I wasn't on Baylor like you were. Uh, but, you know, so, yes, having said that, you could certainly look at this line and say, okay, Auburn definitely was outclassed there against Baylor, cover or not. And here they are laying nine and a half against a team whose you know, straight-up record is very similar to theirs. Like, what's going on? I get it, right? We talk about weird lines all the time on this podcast. But the bottom line for me here is this. Auburn has now covered five straight games, and the market has gone too far. I think this line's inflated. I think nine and a half is just crazy. Like, I'm not going to say a word about Georgia here because we just talk ad nauseum about why we're just not that high on Auburn. They're finding lightning in a bottle, if we even want to call it that, with these covers. Like, they've only won three of those games straight up, so I just don't think, you know, while they're more competitive, like, does that warrant now being a nine-and-a-half point favorite? I mean, nine-and-a-half in any conference game is a lot. And 
these two teams played, because obviously Bill is something you mentioned a few pods ago. We're in that kind of revenge season, like rematch, second go-around in conference playtime. So I look back. These two teams met two and a half weeks ago at the, the beginning of the five straight covers run for Auburn. I talked about they met on January 13th, and the line was Auburn minus two. And I know the game was in Athens, and now the game's in Auburn. But I'm, I just can't get there with this big of a, uh, you know, of a number with Auburn. The only other two wins in that you know, five-game stretch where I said they're 5-0 and against the spread, 3-2 and straight up, are Missouri and Kentucky. And, you know, Bill, not to pour it on, but, I mean, we were talking about Missouri and how they're mm-hmm. – they just didn't seem to have it. Like, that's a team you kind of never know what you're getting with them on a nightly basis. And so, you know, it's a, that was a nice win for Auburn, but it's not one that drops your jaw, you know. It's not like they would have if they won the game against Baylor, right? And Kentucky, we know, is down this year. So, largest favorite role for Auburn in conference play this year. For a team that I just feel on a nightly basis, you don't know what you're getting with Auburn. I mean, we've talked about how the postseason ban looms over them, and maybe that's less of a factor now as we hit the final month of the regular season, and maybe that, you know, you mentioned it, Cooper, obviously, being eligible now. Like, that that obviously changes some things for them, and maybe they just end the season strong regardless I'm just inclined to say, uh, you know, enough. Like nine and they they can't lay nine and a half against anybody. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia. Obviously, not one of my stronger handicaps, but I'll play it for a unit. Yeah, I'm not going to have a play on this one, at least not just yet. I obviously would lean the way that you're on um, because of this the you know auto fade kind of uh, strategy we've been having here with Auburn. But the the one thing that I that stuck out to me as I was looking through it while you're giving your handicap is something that was pretty similar um, in the Baylor game. Now, Georgia, don't get me wrong, is not as good a defensive team as Baylor. I mean, almost nobody in the country is. However, Georgia is 28th in the country in turnover percentage on defense, and we mentioned it before, Auburn 304th in trying to take care of the ball. Granted, that was a lot before Cooper came on the scene. However, we saw it happen, like I said was going to happen in the Baylor game, where they were going to get frustrated, and you know Cooper wasn't going to be able to handle that pressure from all these guys. He finished with five assists to four turnovers, um, and then as a team, they forced there was there was thirteen turnovers uh, by Auburn. I see Georgia being able to turn them over enough in this game. Um, in order to get the cover, the other thing that kind of sticks out, we talk about it a lot when we play when we're playing underdogs, is uh, the offensive rebound percentage. And Georgia's 11th in the country, uh, hitting the offensive glass, and Auburn keeping people off the glass. They're 268th, so you gotta like that. You know, granted they're not the best free throw shooting team, 66.7% sure. from the line though is serviceable. Um, yeah, I like Georgia in this spot. Absolutely getting the nine and a half. It does seem like, like you said, the market has inflated this number with Auburn due to the fact they've had some of these uh, recent covers. So, yeah, maybe I'll play Georgia later, but as of right now, just a strong lean for me. Largest favorite role for Auburn in conference play this year. Wouldn't be surprised if it ends that way uh, if Auburn does kind of come back down to earth here. So that's my last thing on that game. Let's go to the Big 12 where we have probably the game of the day uh, between the Baylor Bears and the Texas Longhorns as the Bears make the short trip from Waco to Austin to take on the Longhorns. And they're laying six on the highway, total of 144. Bill holding no grudges, going right back to the well with Baylor. (laughs) Right, I probably should. I'm going to end up regretting this. I know it. Um, It's just so hard for me when I'm handicapping a Baylor game, at least right now, to think, like, yeah, they're not going to cover. <laughs> like, to me, I haven't watched much Gonzaga this year. Like, Baylor has been super impressive all year long. And and they do it mostly with defense, which is, you know, usually to to somebody when they're looking to handicap games, you don't, you know, you don't really want to pry a team on defense because it's kind of boring. However, whatever gets the job done is what's going to matter. Um, look, Texas, as a home dog, they're, they've only been in that position once. Uh, this year it was against Villanova. Um, they lost by four. They were only getting the one point. Um, we obviously know that Nova's a very, very strong team, but at the same time, I think Baylor's a much stronger team at this point right now. Uh, and Baylor being four and one as road favorites, their only loss uh, was that uh, last game that they had on the road. 
And Baylor really just has the efficiency advantage in all the spots here. The one thing that sticks out to me, I talked about it uh, when you were doing your handicap in the last game with the turnover percentage. Baylor, when they have the ball, uh, they're 79th in the country in, in not turning it over, whereas Texas, they very rarely turn teams over. They're 291st, flip the script, and you have Texas, when they have the ball, they tend to turn the ball over. They're 143rd in the country with, with turnover percentage. And Baylor, on the other side, is fourth in the country at turning teams over. Uh, we saw it against the Auburn team. It took them a while, but they really broke them down in the second half and, and really got out to that big lead, which, unfortunately for me, shrunk down to 12 with inside the number. Um, but I, I really do feel like I have to play Baylor in this spot simply for the fact that they're playing the best basketball. And, like, I want to say – I think it's kind of a cop-out thing to say when people want to put this into a handicap, but, like, I don't think Baylor's going to go undefeated. It's very rare teams do. This could be a spot where they take that loss. It's it's against the top-ten team. It's on the road. It's in conference. However, I really see their loss coming in the upcoming stretch after this. They have TCU next. Then they go at Oklahoma, home against Tech, and then, a, and then a home and away against West Virginia, followed up even by a decent Oklahoma State team and the end of the season with Kansas on the road. I think you're going to see a loss in there somewhere, um, which makes me feel a little more confident about my play here being it being in Texas. Uh, but like I said, the reason that I'm playing them is I feel like they're going to be able to, to really handle the ball well on the offensive end, uh, be efficient on the offensive end, and on the other side of it, I feel like they're going to frustrate this Texas team who, look, at the end of the day, they're good, but they're kind of overachieving. Like, nobody really had them out there as being a top-10 team in the country preseason. I mean, I had them as my sleeper in conference play. I never would have thought they would have been able to rise up to this. Team in the country. My God, no. No, I mean, right. crack at the top 25, yes. But top 10, I, I just never would have expected this out of them. Um, I don't think it's going to hold hold true for the for this game. I think Baylor's just going to outclass them. Yeah, Bill, I'm going to pass here. I do think that if you were to play Baylor, like in other words, I would not hesitate to lay the points. I probably think at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those games where the spread doesn't matter, and Baylor either makes a statement and and wins by double digits, or Texas says, you know what, no, we are for real, and they have you know, a big statement themselves and, and wins this game outright. Um, because as you said, like, we are, like, we're not really sure if Baylor's going to go undefeated and what better opportunity for Texas than to, you know, pick up a home win against Baylor to, to really prove it's legit. I mean, I, I've been kind of keeping an eye on Texas' scores. I've watched a couple of their games in January. Uh, I had, unfortunately, I had West Virginia plus one, I get the best of the number if you know where I'm going with this against Texas. Mm-hmm. It's 70 to end. I take the game under 139 and a half. Yeah. West Virginia is winning 70 to 69 in the closing seconds. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the Jones kid for mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. It's a, hits a three and the game goes over the total and Texas wins yeah. by two. When Texas closes as a, you know, short favorite, I believe in the game. I'm not sure offhand, but nonetheless. Yeah. I get the best of the number and uh, still lose the cover by a point and the total on a three. It was horrible. But anyway, uh, enough of my own personal ranting. Uh, <laughs> Texas wins the close game there, and then and that was on the road. And they go, obviously, the big one is at Kansas with how impressive they were at Fog Allen. But obviously, Bill, as we've talked about, the last couple pods, I feel like we're we're starting to see a Kansas team that just isn't very good, and right. I, I think that it's important as you get more of a sampling, as even if you watch that game and watch Texas go there and clobber them, it's important to keep an eye on what Kansas has done since, and say yeah, but you know, and kind of have that asterisk or that or that you know that dot 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 you know that that comes with discussing the Texas Kansas game game in Lawrence about a month ago now. So having said all that, you know, I, I, I think the line makes sense, though. Like, I don't think 
this is something where you you know you look at. I feel like oftentimes we see these games with two top ten teams, and it, you know people would blindly just take the dog if they saw six or seven, right? So you know, like because they just think, oh my god, like this is a game that could be the best game of the college basketball season. Why is the line not pick or like you know yeah. minus or one or two? You know, right. I think it makes sense though because Baylor can score. I mean, like you talk about Gonzaga, like Baylor's eighty seven point three points per game, fourth in the nation. So. Right. I think at this point in the year, here we are into February, you have to if you're if you're a bookmaker, you have to start making these P players pay a premium if they're gonna back Baylor because they can score and when you can score the way Baylor can, every point becomes less valuable and it gets to the point where oftentimes Baylor's winning games and covering spreads at the same time and a result that you had on Saturday where they get the straight up win but don't cover doesn't come into play as much when Baylor's scoring in the 80s every night, you know, and, yeah. and obviously that was a much different line at 13 and a half. So right. all of this is to say that I'm not going to have a play on the game because I do think there could be a big, you know, a, a rival moment for Texas where, like, this would definitely be Shaka's best win in his tenure there. And, yeah. like, I do think that that is possible. But, by the way, last point here, also why if you like Baylor, I'd lay the points – Texas eleven and three straight off, only six and eight against the spread. So yeah. you know, if you think that this is not, you know, if you're liking Baylor, I would not be weirded out by the line. That's all I'll say here. I just think there's a good deal of variance here, and I could see Texas winning the game. So I'm going to stay away. Two more things before we hop off of this one. Sure. Another thing that we like to talk about again: offensive rebound percentage. Baylor does a phenomenal job hitting the offensive glass. Texas doesn't do a great job keeping them off of it. And the other thing I'll say when I mentioned about the turnovers, I looked back while you were talking right there to see the three losses that Texas has to Villanova, Texas Tech, and to Oklahoma. All three of those games, they had at least 12 turnovers in it. And let's be real, all three of those teams are not as good a defensive team as Baylor is. I see Baylor turning them over maybe close to 15 times. And if that's the case, they're definitely going to be covering that number. Well, that's the last point I'll make on this game too, Bill, and why, like, if somebody told me, you know, I'd rather have, like, gosh, it sucks that game didn't happen between Baylor and Gonzaga. And yeah. Have you heard anything, by the way, about, like, I, is that game going to be played in February? I haven't. I have not heard anything about it. Okay. So, it's disappointing because, like, as you're running through that, right, like, you're looking for a reason, like, where's the advantage for Baylor almost, and, like, what... Does Texas, what's maybe the black mark here on Texas's body of work, or what's one thing that they don't do well? And you, and you mentioned the turnovers. Like, what is that with Baylor? Like, I don't know that it exists. What's their like, their Achilles what, like, heel? Like, really? Their their you know their Achilles heel, right? Like, what is it where you say, okay, well, if we do this well, we can beat Baylor? Well, I can tell you one thing they don't that they don't do well is they don't get to the line often, which okay. is which is kind of like or just shocking, weird given how they score. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's more so because they're mostly guards, but even still, like, you'd figure, look, Villanova's a very guard-heavy team, and I feel like they get to the line a ton every every single game. So that kind of sticks out to me, but look at it. <laughs> when you're up that much throughout the game, I guess it's not going to matter if you're getting to the line or not. Let's stay in the Big 12. I'll be brief on this one, but I am going to take us to Ames, Iowa, where we're having a big road favorite here. The West Virginia Mountaineers laying 11.5 against Iowa State, total in the game of 146. And I'm going to plug my nose and get there with the big underdog, that being the Iowa State Cyclones. Obviously, it has not been a good season uh, there in Ames for Iowa State as uh, you know they come into this game at 2-9 and nine straight up, 3-8 and eight against the spread. Uh, but obviously, you know, more of a... Uh, motivational spot, really, where I kind of think, first off, Iowa State, the three covers, I think this is worth mentioning. Uh, their three ATS wins this year are against this West Virginia team uh, at Texas and against Baylor. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they might be bad, but they compete in these games, which is something I like to see because uh, so often when you're taking these big dogs, Yes, you're always going to be questioning the motivation or the spot for the favorite, sandwich spot, look ahead, whatever. But you also want to make sure that the dog is fully engaged because there's obviously a talent disparity. So I want to make sure that I'm going to get 
max effort from Iowa State. And I just think the fact that they've kept these games close against the top teams in the Big 12 previously this season makes me think that they could hang around in this one. West Virginia, by the way, and this was really one of the other things that caught my eye. Uh, I think we've mentioned it a few times in discussing West Virginia games, and I just talked about one of my losses that I had them against Texas. That was a game in Morgantown. West Virginia normally plays pretty well under Huggy Bear at home, but they're not that good on the road. Just three and two, for a ranked team, three and two straight up on the road is not all that impressive, and they're only two and three against the spread away from Morgantown. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned the Iowa State covers against top teams in the Big 12. I think you get max effort. And Iowa State, Bill, this is something we talk about a lot. Iowa State is the better, when we talk about betting dogs, we want to make sure they get the freebies. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's a better free throw shooting team than West Virginia, shooting 74% from the line. West Virginia only 69.9%, which is 190th in the nation. So, you know, you pick up some points with the clock stopped, and I think that can be enough to keep this thing close. Lastly, lastly on deck for West Virginia is mm-hmm. a game at home against Kansas, and we've talked about how Kansas has dipped it really in the month of January, right? Like, Kansas really started to die, or not necessarily die, but, like, you know, fade, let's say, with that. Texas game at Fog Allen back in the beginning of January because um, before this, back in December, before Christmas, Kansas beat West Virginia uh, at Fog Allen, and I think they won that game by double digits, and it wasn't all that close as I look at it now. Yeah, they won by 14, and Kansas was only laying two there. So point I'm making here is West Virginia, I mean, again, college kids, right? Like they have to see what's going on with Kansas and, you know, mm-hmm. Tennessee beating them up pretty good and, you know, Oklahoma or, 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 you know, Texas, whoever, right? They have to see that, and they got to be licking their chops. And, and all right, like, up, up next, now Kansas has to come to our barn, and they're not playing that well anyway, and we're good at home, like I was mentioning. Uh, you know, I think this is definitely a look-ahead element for West Virginia as well. Iowa State, plus 11.5 for me. Hey, you want to talk about look-ahead <laughs> – Forget just the Kansas game. They got Kansas at home, then they're on the road at Texas Tech, then home against number nine Oklahoma, then a home and away against number two Baylor, and let's cap it off with on the road at Texas before they finish up with TCU and Kansas State. So, my God, I mean, I, I don't know how. Like, I'm glad you bring that up because I'll, I'll, I'll even admit I hadn't looked that far on the schedule. Like, I was just thinking vintage look ahead for West Virginia in the then and now in this one game. But I, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because it, 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 it furthers the point almost of what's the reason for margin here for West Virginia? Like, isn't it isn't this just your definition of getting it out, win the road game by seven, eight points, whatever, and and, and get ready for the, the stretch run of this grueling Big 12 schedule you're about to face? Yeah, that that's exactly what I would figure. I don't see them having any kind of reason to make a statement here. Um, against Iowa State, and with with this lineup that they have coming up on the schedule, it's going to be like you said. It's going to be get get in, get W, get out of there. They're not going to be messing around. So I'm not going to have a play either way. I guess if I would lean, I'd probably lean a little bit Iowa State here on this one. Started in the Big Ten, we're going to end in the Big Ten uh, as we're going to Bloomington, Indiana, where the Indiana Hoosiers are a short home dog. It looks like three, three and a half here against the Illinois Fighting Illini. Total in the game of 143. And we ended up with a, it's always nice when we either have a consensus or a max or a crossfire. Ended up, as I kind of got myself there with Wisconsin, so consensus (laughs) to the Big Ten earlier on the pod. Now we're on the opposite sides, a crossfire, as Bill is going to go first and give us his handicap on the Indiana side. Let's hear it. Well, let's just start out with the fact the line is three and a half. Why? Why would that line be three and a half? That is way too low. Illinois coming off a monster win against Iowa. Indiana has not looked phenomenal by any means this season. Um, However, Illinois is a mediocre 3-5-1 following a win. To me, that's a signal that when they get these wins, it's a little bit of a letdown. 
Well, when you get a win against a team like Iowa, to me it's going to be an even bigger letdown spot. Uh, and Indiana, they're 4-1 and one as a dog. Uh, and Illinois, 2-2 two and two away favorites. And then a very weird stat that I saw when I was handicapping this coming across, Indiana is 5-0. and oh. They're undefeated against the spread with four-plus day rests. They have that in their pocket for this game. Uh, and again, like I said, coming off the big Iowa win, it's just, it's just a classic letdown spot. Not only that, they're sandwiched here because then they got to look ahead. They got Wisconsin next. Um, I don't think they're going to be fearing Indiana when they go into this one. They probably should, though, because if the line's only three and a half, to me that's telling me it's going to be a close game throughout. I like the Hoosiers here. I like them to cover. I wouldn't even be that scared to sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Yeah, no, I'm going to take the other side here and take the fighting Illini. Yeah, listen, we talk all the time about weird lines, what's going on here. But Indiana did just have a big win of their own going to Iowa and winning by 12 as a 10-point dog. So clearly, I think that even while they did just lose against Rutgers recently uh, in their last game, uh, I, I do think that that's some market respect for, you know, that win as a 10-point dog winning by double digits the other way. So I think that's part of what explains this line. But I'm just looking at the matchup here and thinking this is a prime spot to take the Illini because of the three-point shooting advantage that Illinois has here. Fighting Illini are seventh in the nation at 39.9% as a team from the three-point line. That's first in the Big Ten. Indiana, on the other hand, is the second worst opponent's three field three-point field goal percentage in the Big Ten. Uh, so this seems to me like Io Desunmu for uh, Illinois. I think I got that right, but he's having a big year at 22 points per game, shooting 50% from the field and 42% per- from three. I think he goes off again here. Uh, and Trace Jackson Davis is the best, the best player for Indiana, and he's a big. So I'm not really sure that there's anybody that can really slow Desunmu down, which would make sense for his 30-point outing against Indiana the last time they met in Champaign. Uh, Desunmu going 4-for-5 from the three-point line in that game back right after Christmas on December the 26th. Oh, yeah, it's a revenge spot, too, isn't uh, it? <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. You didn't say that. I now did. you're talking yourself into that as well. Nonetheless, <laughs> Indiana takes the fewest threes in Big Ten play. Like, they're just an old school, wear you down, grind you out, hit you on the glass with Jackson Davis type team. Uh, not really the kind of team I want in today's game, really. I mean, at all levels, everybody's shooting threes. Indiana doesn't do it. And I mentioned Jackson Davis for the Hoosiers as their best player. Well, Coffee Cockburn, pretty damn good down low for Illinois as well. So I think he'll be able to limit Jackson Davis. Um, and I mentioned Indiana not really shooting threes. Jackson Davis, their best player, purely an inside player. He has not taken a three this season. So the bottom line is I just think Illinois gets into a spot where, you know, you, you start trading threes for twos, you're going to start to create a little bit of a margin here. I'm not saying they blow them out, but, you know, at three, and yeah, maybe I'm falling for the trap, but I'm going to do it thinking that, uh, you know, they can make enough threes and that can be enough of an advantage for them in this game uh, where they can win this game by six, seven, something like that. And, and, and really, now, and, and maybe this is kind of speaking to your handicap, Bill, about why you like Indiana. Like, nothing is that impressive about Indiana's besides that Iowa win. Like, they lost – and now, granted, I think this is the reason that I want to use this is because they a lot of these games that they lost to, Florida State, at Illinois, um, Wisconsin, Texas, they got cl- crushed by Texas on a neutral court. But some close losses there, too. Uh, Wisconsin game went to overtime. So – at three, that almost makes me think, well, eh, you know, Indiana, like, they've been down this road before, and it hasn't ended that well. Uh, and obviously the recent form is not great either, despite the Iowa win. Close loss against Rutgers by four. Uh, you know, and they lose by 12 to Purdue at home. Like, you know, I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, and I'm not buying the look ahead for Illinois either. I think the stronger look ahead would be for Illinois against Michigan, which is the game after Wisconsin. Because against Wisconsin, I mean, that's that's probably like two evenly matched teams, we'll say, in the Big Ten, whereas Michigan, like, I think at least is the class of the league right now. So 
that would feel like the bigger look ahead spot for Illinois than today. Like, so in other words, I would be more likely to fade Illinois when they're playing Wisconsin in their next game as opposed to fading Illinois uh, Tuesday night against Indiana with Wisconsin on deck. All of that has me on Illinois. Let me ask you a question. You're talking about all the three point shooting, right? Yeah. Illinois shot 23s against this Indiana team. How many do you think they made? Well, they won the game, so if you're saying it wasn't that many, then that almost makes me feel even better. Okay, I'm going to say that they were 7 for 23. Indiana was 7 of 18. Oh, okay, they won by 9. <laughs> right, exactly. So how come the spread's only 3.5? Listen. It doesn't add up for me. It doesn't add up. Something I think, it's, I think it's the Iowa win at Iowa. That, that's my answer. It might not be a great one. As I said, I don't think Indiana's that good. Uh, and, I mean, when you lose at home as a favorite against Purdue and Rutgers in between the Iowa win, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just can't get there. Like, Illinois is, again, maybe it's a little square. Like, they're just the better team here. Only three. I'm taking them. Uh, it's really all I have to say. I mean, Indiana's the middle of the road. The bottom line is this. I'll go back to what we said about uh, Penn State having picked up that win against uh Wisconsin, and now we're, like, fading Penn State the next time against Wisconsin. This is – I'm kicking myself a little for not having Rutgers as I look at this now uh, with Indiana off that Iowa win, right? Because, obviously, like, middle-of-the-road Big Ten teams, when they do step up in class and when they don't get – when they get these wins, oftentimes it's hard to match that intensity the next night. So I'm not that surprised that they lost that game to Rutgers. It's been over a week now since they played uh, again on January 24th. Uh, was that Rutgers game? I don't see it. Uh, I'm taking Illinois, and you know, Bill. Uh, I know you've been beating me up pretty good on these, so I need to get a W here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't beat yourself too much for having not playing uh, Indiana the Rutgers game. That was also the first win Rutgers had. They they lost what five straight before that. So for you to be able to trust Rutgers in that yeah, spot, it wasn't that easy. So I don't blame yeah. you for not being on that one. Been always fun. Let's enjoy what should be a pretty fun Tuesday of college basketball. I know we got the Super Bowl coming on Sunday, but college basketball soon to take center stage, and I feel like every five minutes, Joe Lenardi's going to be on ESPN pretty soon. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. He's Lucha Larry. Find him on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Lots 2. I'm Greg Frank. Find me and all of my picks at Undercover Greg. And, of course, follow the podcast at Full underscore slate underscore pod plenty of super bowl coverage coming later in the week everyone enjoy your tuesdays happy groundhog day and please play responsibly sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in a new showtime sports documentary the kings a four-part series now streaming on showtime